sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez, and shaking his tail feather over there is my main man, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both ends, trying to give you all the information you need to make it a profitable day, and we will try to put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. And, Kev, we were just talking about it, right? At one point a few weeks ago, you were on some, like, when have we had the major quarterback? injury um in the league so far right maybe jimmy g fit that description earlier in the season obviously cam newton missed a game due to covid right but we were like hey we're kind of getting through and then all of a sudden it's like you jinxed it kev because we've got a lot of quarterbacks (laughs) that you know are either on the shelf or are legitimately up in the air are having mris are having coach speak about them right now kev why are you gonna go jinx everybody from divisional races to fantasy teams across the country. Oh boy, uh, the irony! I will. I'm just gonna let that play out. Um, listen, I didn't mean to to jinx people. I really didn't. Um, and I promise, I'm not laughing due to injuries. We'll we'll get to why I'm chuckling. It'll be later though. Um, it's crazy, Dane. This injury yeah. update graphic that we have right here is about the regular size that we'll come into kind of a a normal week with. You know, just some big names around the league. This is all quarterbacks. All of them. The one that I am going to bring up first is certainly the probably the least important is Mitchell Trubisky. Is Hmm. there a quarterback injury that you've ever seen people care less about when it happened than Mitch Trubisky coming in against the New Orleans Saints for a quarterback option? Gets tackled, hurts, gets hurt, and they're like, "Yeah, he's out." And it was like, "All right, whatever. You're not the starter anymore." Like, boy, I submit for you last year, Trevor Simeon with the Jets on Monday Night Football, who like broke his leg, and then the Jets went to like Luke Falk, and we never heard a damn of Trevor Simeon again. But I hear you. It was like, wait a second. Where's Trubisky? Honestly, when Nick Foles got hurt on Monday night, I was like, oh, Trubisky, just do the mop up. And then I was like, oh, he's in street clothes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's like now when we talk about the Bears, because, you know, there's a couple of teams, right, that would like important teams to this show consistently. Right. Yeah. yeah, And that's why, you know, as much as I, you know, I, I joke around about your Bears win total. My God, you sound like a guy who's got the Bears under. I tell you what, I wish I sounded like a guy who had the Bears under right now. I mean, if Tyler Bray is going to be quarterback in this team, what are we actually doing? I mean, not good. We did hear, though, the results we did hear yesterday on the Nick Foles side, you know, the silver lining is that they say it was not as bad as originally feared. I mean, they thought the man broke his hip, Kev, right? And so they're saying it's not that bad. He was carted off. The Bears do have a bye this week as well, right? So maybe whether it is Foles or whether it is Trubisky, I think obviously the biggest one here, though, is Hall of Fame quarterback on a playoff position team in the New Orleans Saints. 
Andrew Brees. He's going for a second opinion, but there's no way, in my opinion. This is just an idea of, like, will it be three weeks or will it be five weeks? You know what I mean? So talk to me. A lot of people are picking up Jameis Winston. We were having a conversation off air about picking up Taysom Hill, you know, in fantasy. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, for the Saints, what is this going to look like, in your opinion, Kev, from an offensive standpoint? Is Sean Payton somehow, like, licking his chops and unveiling all of this? So as we welcome in our radio audience, the Mighty 1090, all around the West Coast, we appreciate you guys waking up with us here. With regards to Drew Brees and Jameis and the Saints, here's what I know. This week, I'm someone who has Josh Allen as one of my fantasy quarterbacks. We're on a bye this week. Yeah. And I picked up Joe Burrow kind of in advance, had the roster spot. I didn't want anybody to try to block me. Sure. I think I'm going to be re- – I might be releasing Joe Burrow back out into the waters and going with our good friend Jameis Winston against the Atlanta Falcons. That might be a massive mistake because I don't know how involved Taysom Hill's going to be. I certainly haven't made that move yet, Dane, but – I don't think I'd do I do I don't think I'd do it out the gate, you know, because could that just be getting too cute, though? Because we don't know about Taysom Hill. Right. Um, And like, at least, you know, like you said, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow leads the NFL in passing attempts, bro. (laughs) You know what I mean? So this is an opportunity kind of thing. You know what I find interesting? Also, a quarterback who is not on this list because we all think, yeah, he'll grit through it. Like uh, only a week ago, bro, Ben Roethlisberger had injuries to both knees and was on the COVID list. And his team is undefeated. I know Dr. Chow has said it. A lot of people are like, oh, that's just Big Ben. Bro, we got like eight weeks left to go in the regular season. Do you think the uh, the banged up idea for a quarterback in their late thirties is something to have concern about as well? This is uh, yeah, for team. me. It's just like sound, sound the alarm is when Big Ben is not banged up. It is almost how I feel about this guy. Okay. Um. So I, I'm not overly concerned. If if there's information that's like, hey, this isn't great. I'll tell you the name that also stands out to me. There. This is a long term picture though. It's Teddy Bridgewater. The Panthers mm. were like, oh, this is exciting. They're, hey, they're way better than we could have ever imagined. Yeah. They've won three of four. Yeah. They've lost five games in a row. And I think a lot of people would say, man, I love where this team is going. They are on the up and up without a doubt. If yeah. this team all of a sudden does bottom out, lands a top five pick like projected, those quarterbacks are sat there. Joe Brady, by the way, is on his way out. People excited about the play calling there in Carolina. All of a sudden, this ascension, hey, Teddy's gone, Joe's gone, it's rule and new quarterback. I don't know about the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, that's a good point. We'll talk about this and the games involved with these teams when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge. Dane and Kevin, we're looking at these quarterback injuries. You know what? I think you make a great point on Teddy and You know, anybody who listens to the show knows that I am an advocate for Teddy Bridgewater. I think you make a great point. And to be quite honest, Kev, 
The fact that the Panthers are like being, and Dr. Chow has said this, like overly cautious with CMC, I think, is another piece of this. They know they're not contending. They don't want to lose the uh, lose the war, right, despite the battle, whatever the hell that saying is. But if hmm. they do bottom out, like you say, and have that pick, because I didn't think they'd have a pick like that, right, based on the way they were playing, if they went 6-10 and 10 or something like that. Right. But fundamentally, Kev, I... Their offense is not their problem. This Carolina Panthers team drafted used every pick on defense last year, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, their offense is putting up points a game. They have the weapons, you know, and this is even without Christian McCaffrey. I wouldn't put past Carolina. I know what you're saying, that Teddy's just not sexy. There's an out in the contract as well, I believe. But, like, I think they spend all the picks on defense again. Yeah, no, I totally get that. They've given up the second most points in the league only to the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not saying that Teddy is the problem, but I remember it was right before last year's draft, it came out that the Panthers were rumored to be enamored with this coming year's quarterback draft class. Yes. And if all of a sudden you're sat there with a top five pick, now, you know, being enamored with a class, of Trevor and Fields, obviously. Do you feel the same way about Trey Lance, Zach Wilson? That's a different conversation, of course. The other angle of it, though, with Joe Brady, I think, is very interesting to me. I think all the time about Brett Venables at Clemson, the defensive coordinator. Everybody knows that this is one of the most valuable guys in all of college football, right? But he stays there. They pay him great money, obviously, to be the D.C. He thinks maybe he can just walk into the Clemson job afterwards. But it's it's like a factory, if you will, right? Like, it's a program. It's a college program. I wonder if the Panthers are able to pay Joe Brady enough as their offensive coordinator to where financially it is worth it for him to be a part of a program at the with the Carolina Panthers I hear because you. I would not be excited about this team trotting out a new OC Trey Lance and kind of yeah it's the rebuild then is is a lot like we're kind of resetting again I hear you that I if I was a Panthers fan I'd be more excited if they invested on the defensive side of the ball I'll take my chance with this offense to be quite honest this offense can get me to the next stage yeah. of the program's development the only reason I don't think they back up the brush truck for Joe Brady remember they had to spend a ton of money to buy out Matt Rule as well yeah. let's not forget about that but you know Tepper is that new money and he may be comfortable slinging it let's talk about some of these games with these quarterbacks that are up in the air we um in that the special edition of watch for the hook we had one game though there two of those quarterbacks that were on that list where they are facing off against each other right we have carolina against detroit we don't know about teddy bridgewater could be pj walker of xfl fame we don't know about (laughs) detroit with maddie stafford right so how do you think about these games are there any of these games i'll ask it to you in totality any of these games where you do want to get ahead of the number for fear of news on drew Brees or drew Locke or teddy bridgewater or anything like that so so i'll just start with the lions panthers game and i kind of made this point i think it was last friday day and we were talking lions washington football team and there was no total and we're like that is an indicator that the book simply doesn't know enough information the book always wants to post lines they've posted lines you know all the way up until monday night football we sit here on wednesday total money line sides everywhere 
except for the Lions and the Panthers, we don't have a total. Mm. For me, look, if you wanted to take plus 108 on the Lions, money line, because you're like, I think Stafford guts it out. I don't think Teddy plays. The worst case scenario is I've got plus money. Teddy plays. I don't have Stafford. And if it's P.J. Walker versus Chase Daniel, I'll take my shot. That's the only way to play it for me is to say I'm going to go for the plus money side. Outside of that, I don't know how much of an angle and edge you're truly getting here because the book doesn't really know a lot about what they're even posting, hence there being no total. No, I think that's fair, and my fantasy-laden mind goes to guys like DeAndre Swift, you know, prop bets for guys like like this that you may want to target early, right, in this Broncos game, you know, if it is going back to ripping, what does that mean for, you know, for Noah Fant, uh, for um, Jerry Judy and the like, so we will Mm -hmm. continue to monitor these games, but we got some quarterbacks that are out there, and I guess Sam Darnold. You could put on that list too, right? Because we don't know what's going on with him. But Boy. then again, let's not go down can that I rabbit hole. Temperature check you that. Can. Yeah, go ahead. I just right now, do you think they'd be able to get a second round pick in exchange for Sam Darnold? Not like if they traded no. him today, but like as of today, going no, into the offseason. Because every other team in the NFL will know the Jets do not have leverage. Right. Like everyone out there will know that if Sam Donald is actually on the market, it's because the Jets are going to get Trevor Lawrence and blah, blah, blah. And they know that it's the same as like Josh Rosen with Arizona. Right. They knew yeah. the league knew that the Cardinals had to move him, and they got a third round pick, I believe, for from Miami for Josh Rosen. Um, I believe Donald would command maybe something slightly more than that, maybe like a third and a fifth. But no, unfortunately, is the answer. And don't you know, don't get me wrong. I'd love for that to be the case. We do also have to update everybody. Unfortunately, COVID is still out there, everybody. The New York Giants kicker, Graham Gano, has been placed on the COVID list. This is the first time a kicker, I believe, right? So this is a change. The Giants will have someone different kicking when they come off of their bye, and so they got to work that person in. The Washington football team also had a player test positive. They're going to do the whole virtual practice this week, and I find it interesting as of yesterday i let you know that the rams and the seahawks were the only teams in the nfl so far to not have used the covid list and then kev this morning well there goes that idea right because we have a ram that has been uh, put on the covid list already today yeah uh, and we yeah, so we found out uh, from you know Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter reporting that yep. a Ram has been placed on COVID nineteen protocol. You and I were actually talking pre show about this about how we're so deep into the year, the fact that there are only two teams that haven't been touched by this. Right. How might you know the Rams kind of react? This certainly would throw them uh, off of their rhythm. You would think everybody else has dealt with it. I'm sure they're they're going to get back on pace. I would just say, Dane, from a macro level, though, I, we are very much so at a point. We're not canceling any more games. I, I think we need to come to terms with that. And I maybe everybody has. I'm not saying that that's something that will upset people. But the way you and I have had conversations around these COVID-19 outbreaks, and I don't even know if we've realized it. I had kind of a moment over the weekend where I was just pondering on this. But, Dane, when we got that type of update, we stopped everything we're doing. 
We yep. broke it down. We said, oh, look, We're the lines are... We're desensitized to it now. We're desensitized Dane, to it. But the book doesn't even move the lines anymore. They don't take Bucks it down. Rams they don't move is it. still yep. on the board. We don't even know who the player is. They're like, yeah, it's a COVID. You're fine. Like, it's right. just what it is. And I remember, though, the one thing that you and I did talk about and agreed upon. The biggest eye-opener was the Thursday night game with the Packers and the Niners, where they said, you're close, you're out, you're close, you're out. Oh, what's that? No receivers? Not my problem. Oh, no running backs? A tough scene. They were like, we are getting through this. We don't have flexibility. If anybody's close, they're not playing. There's enough depth on these rosters for you to figure it out. And I just think that also pertains to the idea of a Week 18, expanded playoffs. At this point, I'd be very surprised if we see another game canceled in the NFL. No, I think that's fair, Kev, right? But as we also know, literally, this country is reporting like double the amount of cases per day than it was like a mere week or two ago. Okay, and so you're I think you're right, Kev. But what happens if and when like. These outbreaks are not just one player, two player. What if it forces their hand or what if big name players like wild card week, right? The idea of the flexibility will still be Mm -hmm. there. It is a very interesting thing. You're right. I think the NFL has kind of shown us what their approach will be, right? And I wonder if they can hold on to that kind of methodology um, the entire way out. We shift gears to college football when we come back. We go for the two with our friend of the show, Joe Lisi, to discuss everything in college football and even our talk with Jerry yesterday. Let's see what Joe thinks about. We'll talk about that coming right back right here on The Early Line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line. Thanks to all of our radio affiliates from getting on the grid bright and early with us. If you're listening to us, if you're watching us, if you're watching us on your phone, on your tablet, on your television screen, on your computer, so many ways to get the edge these days. And as we go forward in the college football season, we need to get the edge by going for the two. So we bring in our guy, Joe Lisi, right now. Joe, how you feeling? How your bets holding up over the course of the weekend? How you? Uh, oh, you're st- hanging in there. You got like an 11 team parlay. What's going on, bro? <laughs> we started out all right on Monday night. We did the in game, me and Kevin, uh, Minnesota, Chicago. So off on the right foot here. I can't believe it's Wednesday already. We're turning our sights to college football Saturday. So can't wait. All right, so you know usually I like to ask you about my group of five teams and stuff, but I'm going to start elsewhere. I'm going to start today with the big boys and the Big Ten, Joe, because as I look to this weekend, right, that's where I see ranked versus ranked in a lot of places. But I got to tell you the truth. Going into this season, Michigan was ranked. They were Fugazi, Joe. Going into this season, Penn State was a top 10 team. Forget about it, right? So my question for you is, how the hell do we know if any of these Big Ten teams are good? I mean, Northwestern got into the top 25. A lot of people are loving what they're seeing out of the Hoosiers. They clearly had a test this week against number three, Ohio State. But the fact remains, Joe, I truly don't know what to make of any of these teams. We got like Wisconsin's only played twice. How do we know how good this conference is, Joe? 
Well, that's a great point, Danny, and that's the the landscape of college football now in terms of the week-to-week consistency, and you're absolutely right about Penn State, 0-4. You look at Michigan, got blown out at home, 13-2 and at home in Ann Arbor over the last couple of years, and they just laid an egg against Graham Mertz and the Badgers. So uh, the consistency, I think you need to take into account what we saw last year, the personnel that's hmm. available, and how these teams are trending. I think if they don't have an opportunity – to win a college football playoff appearance or win a Big Ten title, more times than not, they're laying up. Uh, they're just going through the motions. And if you look at a team like Northwestern, you look at a team like Indiana where they're over-exceeding expectations early, you have to buy into that consistency because they're fighting. And that's the one thing that we haven't seen out of the top teams in the nation up until this point. So, Joe, let's talk about these two Big Ten games then, because we not only it's not just ranked versus ranked, but these are the four ranked teams, the top two in the East and the top two in the West. Let's start East, Ohio State. The question I've been posing, now I know what the talent is, I know what the expectation is, I'm as big of a Justin Fields fan as anybody out there, but right now, does their 3-0 and stack up to... Dane's boys in Cincinnati to even, you know, a 5-1 and one Florida team. I'm not sure. It's a big opportunity for Ohio State this week up against Indiana. I'm sure, you know, they're fired up for this game. It's tough for me to decipher, though, Joe, is this lick your chops, prove a point, beat them by 35, or are we disrespecting Indiana, a team that's still almost catching three touchdowns despite being ranked ninth in the country? Well, let's put it into perspective, uh, Kevin, in terms of just, you know, the series perspective. Indiana's lost 24 straight games to the Ohio State Buckeyes. Last victory came in 1988, last year in Bloomington, as basically a double-digit underdog. They lost the game 51-10. to Now, that was with Peyton Ramsey, the starting quarterback at Northwestern. Michael Penix was hurt in that matchup. He's going to bring an added dimension, something that Ohio State maybe hasn't seen up until this point and over the course of the Big Ten schedule. He's a mobile quarterback. He can make plays outside the pocket, but he's still raw and inconsistent. He's only completing around 58 59% of his passes heading into this game, and that's a concern for me, coupled with the fact that Indiana not running the football where I need them to be. They need to be close to 185, 190 rushing yards per game. They're nowhere near that still averaging around three and a half yards per carry that's going to put them into predictable long third downs and when you watch this game last year indiana was abused on both sides of the ball in the interior offense and defense aligns i think it's close for a quarter but i think in the second half ohio state pulls away they cover this 20 and a half point number easy you know, and Joe, that's some of the differences a lot of times, right, with these absolute blue chip big time schools and some of these other ones that are kind of popping their head up in a conference or having a good year, right? They're getting five star O linemen, D linemen that are just much bigger, much more physical, and that difference can sometimes make it look like men against boys. I want to ask you another Big Ten matchup that's very important, Wisconsin and Northwestern, right? And I think we have two ends of the spectrum here. Northwestern is a team that's playing and is hot, right, is ascending, moving into the top 25. And with Wisconsin, they have that reputation, yet we haven't seen them on the field much, right? So talk to me. I guess let me frame it to you this way. Whoever wins this game, 
What will be the narrative around them, right? Because if Wisconsin wins, they're a top 10 team. We know about their off days, but they look great when they're on the field. And if Northwestern wins, do they have to be kind of like respected to maybe take their shot at the Buckeyes in a Big Ten championship game? Yeah, I, I think they do. And I think that, you know, a couple of years ago, it was Northwestern and Ohio State in terms of the Big Ten championship. And yep. they played them toe-to-toe for three quarters before Dwayne Haskins and the crew just blew them out in the second half. So that's a great point. I agree with that in terms of that assessment. Um, you know, in terms of Northwestern, Northwestern traditionally has played Wisconsin very tough. It's a rivalry game from the spread perspective. Northwestern has covered. They covered last year in that battle. It was a, a turnover-filled ball game. I think it comes down to which quarterback do you believe in more? Do you believe in Graham Mertz, you know, uh, making another road start in a tough environment, stepped up against Ann Arbor, against Michigan? But this is a different animal. This is a blue-collar team. They're going to force him to make throws over the top. I'm going to take the points with the matchup in terms of the Wildcats. I think they can run the football. I like Peyton Ramsey, like Pat Fitzgerald as an underdog. Don't be shocked if Northwestern strikes the upset this coming Saturday. That's exactly what I wanted to ask here. You know, I'm not sure Northwestern isn't the better team. Wisconsin only the two-game sample size, but Northwestern blew out Maryland to the degree that we were like, oh my goodness, like, is baby Tua going to get benched? They've won both their games since. The offense for Maryland has looked pretty good in those two games removed from Northwestern where they were held to three points. They handed Purdue their only loss. The Hawkeyes have looked fantastic in games that they didn't play against Northwestern. Even the Nebraska game, I know it wasn't a big, big win, but they still got the job done against Nebraska, I'm looking at this Northwestern team here. So if they beat a Wisconsin, right, and I know they're seven-and-a-half-point dogs, it's going to be a, you know, a tough task to climb. But that should, in my estimation, catapult this team into a top-ten-ish range because their resume, they've got a better resume right now probably than Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. And it's perception, Kevin, at this point in the season, right? Everybody watched that, you know, game Saturday night, even though Michigan is down. It was Michigan, right? And Wisconsin dominated them, covered that number easy. Now they play a blue-collar team in Northwestern. If they trip up or Northwestern dominates this matchup and wins, let's say, by double digits convincingly, everybody's going to go, wow, right? Depending upon what happens to Indiana and Ohio State. So I agree with that. I mean, Northwestern has been there in years past. They've run the table. They've been under the radar and somehow, some way, found themselves in a Big Ten championship game a couple of years ago. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. Does this team have a complete team to challenge Ohio State to go toe-to-toe with them? They would need to play a perfect type of game in order to do that. But we've seen it on Saturdays, right? Double-digit underdogs could be barking, and they could get the game outright. So if they're given that chance, anything's possible. Hey, Joe, we only got a couple minutes left in this segment, but I know you'd love to stick around with us and talk shop a little bit more. But I want to go west real quick. Let's talk about this Pac-10 um, or uh, Pac-12. You know, I, I watched the USC game last week. And I was not impressed, bro. They needed to come back against Arizona. Oregon was also down in the first half. Now they blew the doors off in the second half. 
Handicap again, this Pac-12. I know you were sort of leaning Trojans over Ducks. Do you still feel that way? And, like, what do you think about the quality of play you're seeing in the Pac-12 up against, you know, some of these other conferences when we have to kind of normalize things eventually for rankings and bowls and votes? What are you seeing out of Oregon and USC out west? Well, I mean, I, I saw sloppy football, uh, and, right. and to your point, right. you know, for USC, they've been sloppy for a long time. That was a team in in Arizona that they dominated in seven straight years, and they were on the they were trailing in that matchup by three points uh, before they got the touchdown late uh, to pull ahead by four points in that ball game. So I agree with you. They go on the road this week to face a blue collar team in Utah with Jake Bentley and their quarterback mm. haven't played in, in a few weeks. They have an opportunity a game plan. I like USC this week. It's a short number. The market has not over-exceeded their expectations. It's now more in line in terms of what we've seen on the football field. So I still give the inside edge to USC because I think Slovis over the quarterback situation of Oregon. But I think each team, if they went to the college football playoff today, I don't think they would make any noise. Not playing solid defense enough for me to say that these are legit contenders. But I like USC on the road against Utah later today, uh, later this afternoon, excuse me, later in the weekend against against the Utes. You just want to get to the weekend, bro. You just want to get there. I can't wait. I can't wait. Great games on top. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. We gotta go. We gotta go take a break, okay? But what I want to do, Joe, is have you back. We got more games to discuss, right? My Cincinnati Bearcats. We got a big game in the Big Twelve. I want to ask you about updated Heisman odds as well, and a story I'm hearing about what could be a big time change in college football. I want to ask you the feasibility of it. We'll do all of that and more when we come back, right here on the early line. More with Joe Lee. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line, giving you the edge. We are doing so in college football with our guy, Joe Lisi, who sticks with us for another few minutes. Joe, I don't know if you know, but yesterday we had Jerry DePaula on. Um, he is a AP voter from over there in Pittsburgh, okay? And so we were picking his brain, and Joe, you know I had to ask him about Cincy and BYU, and... Uh, he pretty much put the kibosh on their chances of getting to the top four. He was like, listen, the top four teams are what the top four teams are now. Like, these guys, like, he's, ah, they don't pass the eye test to me, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, he, uh, he messed with me. Joe, and as you know, I am all about this. Every week, though, Joe, you come and tell me that this is the week Cincinnati's got to watch out. Another tough matchup for Cincinnati. This could be the week. So I'll ask you the question again, Joe, and you'll say it again, I think. But a lot of people think Cincy has a tough task this week on the road at Central Florida. Do they survive and advance this one? 
I don't know if they do, uh, Dana. I think this is the week where the wheels come off the wagon for uh, the Cinderella story for Cincinnati. Now, they knocked off UCF last year 27-24. to It was a very close game. They okay. held G- Dylan Gabriel in check. But this offense for UCF, to me, is the difference. UCF's won three of the last four by 23.6 points per game. Their offense is w- averaging well over 500 yards. Total offense, Dylan Gabriel, 67 percent completion percentage 23 touchdowns two interceptions and you look at the defense for UCF plus 11 in turnover margin they're gonna have to play a complete perfect game in my opinion for Cincinnati I know they only allowed two passing touchdowns all season long they get challenged by this offense in UCF that's that's right now averaging 396 passing yards per game I think tempo they run the football. They're going to force Desmond Ritter to match them score for score on the road. Not so sure Cincinnati can do that. So, Joe, let me take the position of Dane here for a minute, right? Because sometimes you got to help your co-host out. Because everyone's like, ah, here goes Dane again. So I'll do it for him. Here is what Cincinnati has done their last four games. One-point road dogs to SMU. They win that game by 29. Six-and-a-half-point home favorites to Memphis. They win that game by 39. Ten-and-a-half-point home favorites to Houston. They win that game by four touchdowns. And then ECU, letdown spot, trap spot, laying 27-and-a-half. No problem. We'll win that game by 38. At the end of the day, Joe. No, I know. And and they've stepped up. And And other teams are sitting idle because they got COVID. Well, well, okay, so SMU didn't have its starting best wide receiver, Reggie Roberson. Memphis was without DeMonte Coxey, to another big play uh, receiver, sure. right? Houston is just a complete mess with Dana Holgerson, and, and he, he, the fact mm-hmm. that he still has a coaching job is beyond the realm of possibility in my, you know, it just, I can't believe it. UCF is a team that, number one, everybody's used to talking about, right? Now everybody's mm-hmm. talking about Cincinnati. Uh, that's going to, I think, spur this team in terms of the Central Knights. They're going to come focused. They're going to utilize tempo. And from an offensive perspective, the, the Cincinnati defense has not seen a, an offense clicking on all cylinders in terms of three seconds and the ball comes out. That's going to be the difference mm-hmm. from the football aspect the, up until this point we haven't seen. So we'll see. If, if Cincinnati could jump up early, run the football, dictate tempo, and keep Dylan Gabriel on the sidelines, they're going to have a fantastic shot. I just think on the road it's going to be very difficult, especially playing at home yeah. for UCF in this ballgame. And, Joe, I'm not disagreeing. I, I mean, Dane and I have been talking about Cincinnati because, right. again, usually I am playing the other side. I'm like, Dane, look, this right, is right. The, it's the UCF <laughs> game. We'll talk when that But what happens. do they have to do? What do they and have so, to do? And that's, that's kind of the thing here, right? If they get this job done, right, and it's, well, well it's Tulsa's the last game. Right. Tulsa's now put in the top 25. I mean, we just keep Joe, on moving I, the goalposts, man. <laughs> I don't know if we're moving the goalposts. Like, this is the thing. It's a, like, the teams in front of them are the best teams in the country. Like, it's not like, oh, I can't believe that only two games played Oregon's in front of them. But, Joe, is there anything Cincinnati can do realistically? Outside of getting major help elsewhere from teams, you know, throughout the country to get themselves in the college football playoff, I'm starting to think there's nothing they can do. 
No, there's not. I mean, the, the biggest test, and we always say this about, you know, good teams. Good teams, great teams find a way to win and dominate on the road. And this is going to be their opportunity. They have mm-hmm. UCF this week on the road. All then right. they go to Temple on the road and then Tulsa. So this is a three-game road stretch to yeah. end the season for the yeah. Cincinnati Bearcats. If they can do that and dominate and cover the number and win by double digits, I would buy into Cincinnati. But again, putting them into the college football playoff ahead of a team like, let's say, Alabama or even Florida. You really have to worry about that situation in that scenario where yeah. Florida wins out and then knocks off Alabama in the, in the SEC right. championship game. Then you have that that hill, hill to climb. So it's going to be another yeah. scenario no, that not a guys. lot of people are thinking about. I hear you guys, and obviously part of the chaos that I need, and we said this from the very beginning, Kev, is that other teams will have to fall by the wayside, and the fact that they might cannibalize each other in the ACC or the SEC is sort of what I need. To be quite honest, Kev, and I know you loved it, but I really needed Notre Dame to lose to Clemson if you want to know the truth, right? Because then I could have gotten one of those spots hot, but like they're impressing. You know, like, what do they have to do to impress? Meanwhile, Texas A&M is on the sidelines for the last two weeks. They ain't impressing Jack, you know, with the eye test. But I digress. Let's go to the Big 12. The Big 12 is interesting. We were talking about Oklahoma State at the beginning of the season. They then got their loss. Oklahoma was sinking like a stone a la Penn State earlier in the season. They even exited the top 25 for the first time in I don't know how many years. But they are back at number 18 in the country. And they host the Cowboys in this one. This is pretty much the biggest Big 12 game left on the schedule. How do you see this one playing out, Joe? Yeah, I'm, I'm back in Oklahoma State here. Uh, you know, this is the opportunity that they've had. They have everything in front of them. They knock off Oklahoma. They get to the Big Big 12 championship. So I'm not backing down now. I like the way their defense is playing a couple of weeks ago against Kansas State. Forced turnovers. They're running the football more effectively. As long as Spencer Sanders is healthy, and I think he is, I think he's the more experienced quarterback in this battle. I think they're the more complete offensive team as well. Even though Spencer Rattler and that offense look like they've been more consistent over the last couple of weeks. I'm going to take, in my opinion, the better team getting the points, even though they're on the road. Traditionally, Oklahoma State plays them very tough, and this is the best team, in my opinion, in the conference. So, looking for Oklahoma State to strike the upset in Norman this coming Saturday. So, here's the point I want to make on this game. Because, Joe, I know you said that this is a year where they should have expanded to eight, but I don't know if you believe that it should always be eight. This game is to me the exact reason why I argue very, very strongly against the idea that the 14 college football playoff format makes every single game matter more. That's not true. For a guy like you do, Joe, you love this game. If 14 versus 18, Oklahoma versus Oklahoma, this is incredible. But for your more casual college football fan, who cares? It don't matter. These teams have they have no chance to get anywhere near the top four. But if these two teams right now could the Sooners, as Dane mentioned, fell all the way back out of the top 25, get into the top eight, need some help? It's exciting. We could talk about that. And then how about Oklahoma State, who was kind of my chaos team, if they could upset everybody and find themselves in the mix. The only reason Oklahoma State isn't sat fifth or fourth in the country is they lost an overtime game to number 22, Texas. So... Joe, I just think that this is a game that represents why expansion would be necessary because this game does lose juice 
Because nobody thinks that these teams can get anywhere near the top four, and rightfully so. But that's the, the entire Pac-12 schedule, too, right? The entire Pac-12 schedule fits into the it, same category. It is a great argument, and I'm not discounting exactly what both of you said. And I agree with you. And this type of year expansion would have been fantastic. I, I actually thought if they expanded to eight this year, it would have been the right thing to do because you have teams like BYU, you have teams like Cincinnati, and the staggered mm-hmm. schedule. Now, that being said, I still think a team like Oklahoma State can crack the party. They're going to have to take care of business, win out, win the Big 12 championship, and and then hope for teams like I mentioned, Florida, knock off Alabama. Let's not forget Alabama plays Auburn in the Iron Bowl. They lost that ball game last year, 48 to 45. So that's no gimme type of game. You look at Clemson, they still play Pittsburgh this week or next week and Virginia Tech. So that's going to be another game that you have to keep on the radar. It's a possibility where they lose that game. Ohio State still has to play Michigan. Michigan's down, they're out. Could be the only game they get up for. You don't know what happens in college football. To so so to say that you know these other teams can't get in or it's not watchable. I just disagree with that because we've seen these things play out, and somehow, some way, a team out of nowhere might catapult into the top four because of certain situations and certain de- defeats by the top four teams in the country. Hey Joe, for the first time ever, I heard something yesterday that. Um, I perked up at um, in this year, 2020, right? Like they changed the NBA playoff format. They changed the major league baseball playoff format. I know we always talk about expanding to eight, but let me bounce something else off you. We're now hearing that conferences are open to maybe pushing back their conference championship game. Right. But it's tough when the college football playoff is there. Is there, is there any reason why the college football playoff can't get pushed back a few weeks to allow for, say, a Big Ten teams to finish their schedule or some of these SEC teams to finish their schedule to allow for conference championships to have that wiggle room. Is it possible? Is there any reason why? Like, why does it have to be New Year's Day? You know, we're moving things a lot. Is there any potential to push back the playoff if more of these conferences struggle and can't really finish their representative schedules? Yeah, and there's been talk about that. The college football playoff came out and said they, they're open to any possibility that because the national championship game is on January 11th, they might have to push it back a couple weeks. They haven't made that decision or, or set in stone up until this point, but they are right. meeting and are, you know, uh, uh, you know they, they are aware of certain circumstances. Trust me, if they have to push back the college football playoff to watch a Big 12 championship or a Big 10 right. championship between Wisconsin and Ohio State, which has they'll do huge it. repercussions for the playoff, right. they'll, they're going to do that because they well, it's know like the that SEC money has so many cancellations, right? And they got to right. get through it. And we need Florida, Alabama, or whatever it is. Exactly. If like the SEC or the Big 10 need to push back, the college football playoff will also respond in kind, we think, right? Right. Yeah, okay. for, most I, I, that's about ninety nine percent sure. They're right. not gonna. Okay. They're not gonna mm-hmm. pick the college football playoff without having these conference championships. Heisman trophies already pushed back to January fifth. Right. So you know, so that that's just the way it's playing out right now. 
Joe, before we get you out of here, I'm going to throw a market at you. I'm not sure if you've been able to dive into it, but I do think it is interesting for them to post this in the middle of the season. <clears throat> Top future games is available right now at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Notre Dame, UNC, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, Kentucky, Florida, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Penn State, Michigan, Auburn, Alabama. I know for a fact Right when this market usually will pop up before the season, Ohio State, Michigan would have been posted. The value you would have got on a number that is now going to be well above three touchdowns is incredible. Do you think these are only games that are about ten days out? There could be value in betting these games ten days away, or too risky, too volatile. Yeah, to me, it's too risky, too volatile because of the COVID type of restrictions. And we don't know because colleges hold back the information. So it really is like Russian roulette in terms of back in that type of future. No doubt. Thanks for spending some time with us. As always, Joe, we will continue to go for two and talk to you next week when maybe the Bearcats will have actually impressed you by then. Your boy Kyle Trask is right there, though, in the Heisman odds. We'll talk about that as well. Thanks, Joe. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Joe. Anytime, guys. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. If you're watching or listening right now and you, like me, don't like what you're hearing out of Jerry DePaula, don't like what you're hearing out of Joe Lisi, hit me up at Spittin' Speeds, okay? And, you know, like Free Cincy, hit me up so I know that some of y'all are out there riding with me and want to see this oh, chaos man. come all the way home. BYU will work as well. But, Kev, real quick, in hour number two, we're going to go all NBA, a lot of basketball, the NBA draft is tonight in case it's catching up on you and we got plenty of other big names potentially on the move but basketball is not the only sport kev major league baseball will also have the hot stove over the winter and at least yeah. here kevin the new york city area new ownership with the mets cohen is throwing his billions around saying he's going to be competitive saying he wants to spend like the yankees they're going to win a world series in the next three to five years well in my yeah. opinion the way to start that Go get Francisco Lindor and go get Trevor Bauer, right? And yeah. and so far, Trevor Bauer is, you know, open to flirting with the Mets. We see a lot of overtures sure talking about is. how great Cohen has been so far as an owner. I saw him once also like wearing a lot of hats like a high school high recruit would, but it was the Mets hat kind of really on the bottom. Talk to me about do you think the Mets are going to make this big splash? Bauer, Rio Muto, Springer, and others. LeMayhew from the Yanks, you know, because the Mets are now trying to play the back page game as well with their money, right? Yeah. Um, does Cohen deliver on some of these promises? I think so. Again, being here in New York, you really understand the yeah. vibe around the Mets and, of course, the Yankees as well. If he goes out there, signs Bauer, signs Springer, Mets fans, no matter what happens, whether it was whether it pops or not, they will be so grateful. Yeah. That's all they've been asking for, Dane. That's all they've been asking for. And I think a guy like Trevor Bauer 
would be perfect mm-hmm. for them. The, the the Mets fans like they they get very excited. They'll be you know they'll be so into it. They rally around their guys. I mean, <laughs> Pete mm-hmm. Alonso cursed after a game, and they were like, "This is the greatest guy we've ever had." I mean, it's just little things that'll get them going. They'll love sure. Bauer, the intensity, the fire that he brings. Because the thing about Bauer, he's passionate. He's into it. Yes. And yes. and I appreciate that. You know? So I, I I think that they will make the moves to get that fan yeah. base excited, and nice. that's what they deserve. And then they would have the last three NL Cy Young Award winners, right? Imagine DeGrom, Bauer, Syndergaard, and Strowman. Well, that could do some things. We talk NBA and NBA draft in hour number two. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 